Hey everyone, welcome back to the Missourian Basketball Podcast. I'm joined again by David Sack and Connor Worley, and we're back at the Missourian recording episode four. We'll be discussing Missouri's loss at South Carolina and its loss to Alabama on Wednesday, which dropped the Tigers to 0-3 in the SEC. And we'll also be taking a look ahead to Saturday's game at Texas A&M, a game Missouri desperately needs to win. But first, let's start with our quote of the week. We're going to do something a little bit different this week as our quote comes from Alabama head coach Avery Johnson after his team's win over Missouri on Wednesday night. But we thought to try to slow down Geis, we had to go bigger on him. And fortunately, it worked out for us. And, and uh, Tillman in the post was obviously a concern because we didn't want Dante to get in foul trouble, so we mixed in some traps on him. And uh, they got away from us in the first half by making six threes, but we had better rotations in the second half. So that was Avery Johnson, who had just a great post-game press conference. Uh, we'll talk about the Alabama game in a little bit, but let's move on to our trivia question. There have been seven players in Missouri history with, with at least 1,000 career points, 500 career rebounds, and 100 career starts. Kevin Perrier recently joined that list. Name one of the six other players in that club. So that's going to be a tough one. So with that, let's move on to our observations from the past week. Uh, after Missouri's loss to Tennessee, uh, they, they have since dropped games to South Carolina and Alabama, two games that they probably could have won. There were a lot of issues in the past week, foul trouble, scoring droughts, a lack of an offense, but what did you guys see? Uh, well, uh, there's a lot of things uh, to take away. I mean, the offense is struggling immensely right now, and as far as how to fix it, I think that they got to find other ways to score from the deep th- uh, the, the three-point shot. They've got to diversify the offense, and I think the best way to do that would be to get to the foul line more. They... Uh, only got to the line 10 times against Alabama on Wednesday, made just five of them, just drive the basket, get a little more aggressive, and get to the free throw line. Yeah, I think so too. It seems to be that their uh, number one option is always to look for the open three-pointer, whether that's swinging around the arc or like going inside out. But whenever that's not working and that's not there, like it wasn't against Alabama on Wednesday night, uh, they just seem frazzled and don't really know what to do. Yeah, I think this, these past two games have kind of displayed that Missouri really struggles just putting together a full game over a half. Um, in that Alabama game, they were lights out from three in the first half. They went six of 13 from the arc, and that's really the only reason they were even in that game because right. they were getting dominated in the paint. Tillman only played nine minutes in that half. But in the second half, the, the deep shooting fell off. They went one for seven, and they kept it, they kept it close regardless. Tillman picked it up in the second half. He scored eight points and seven rebounds. Geist played a little bit better, but... It just kind of shows that if this team isn't, if, if this team doesn't have everything together, it's not going to be in these games. And I think also, I mean, the three-point shooting is the only thing that's keeping the team in these games. And both their losses, they've had more three-point uh, converted attempts than the other team has. Mm-hmm. And they had ten against South Carolina, seven against Alabama. And if you take even like you have, cut those in half, the score doesn't look anywhere as good, even in a loss. Right. Right. And uh, as I noticed, or as I noted in my game, or, uh, you know, look, Alabama, the SEC's worst scoring defense, meaning they're the worst defense in the SEC. They gave up the most points per game. You know, to put up only 60 points, you know, Avery Johnson's a great coach. He did it. Uh, he made a very good move putting the six seven Herbert Jones on Jordan Geist, really took him out of the game. Mm. But you've just got to find a way to score against such a bad defense. Yeah, and I thought... I mean, in, the, in that South Carolina game, the defense was not good. They gave up they gave up 85 points, and that was after giving up 83 points to Tennessee. It was better against Alabama. They gave up 70 points, which is 
not bad, but when you're the lowest scoring team in, in the conference, they score 69 points per game. That's just not going to get the job done. And something that's really crazy to me is that, and we, we just talk about how poor the, the three-point shooting is, but Missouri is first in the SEC in three-point shooting, and they're last in the SEC in scoring per game. So they're 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 a bad score. They're just not a good offense, even when the shots are falling from deep. And when they're not falling, that's when it really gets ugly. But I kind of just want to talk about what this these past two games have meant for Missouri. They've really showed a lot of the team's shortcomings and weaknesses. What are the what what do these losses mean going forward for the team? It means I think uh, if they want any chance at uh, being a bubble team, they're going to have to win about ten games. And uh, looking at the schedule, I don't know if they've got the talent to overcome this current adversity and get to 19 or 18 wins. I just don't think it's going to happen at all. You know, I felt with such a young team going into the season that they would kind of have an up and down season. They'd win games that they shouldn't win. They'd lose games they shouldn't lose. They've certainly backed up the losing part of that. Um, I'm less confident than I was, to be honest, about them winning games they shouldn't win. But I do still think we will see it. You know, when everything clicks for this team, they can play with a lot of teams. It's just a question of will everything click at once for 40 minutes. It's a tough ask right now. Mm-hmm. And South Carolina and Alabama, those are two teams that are, their talent is probably like right on par with Missouri's in terms of that big middle class. And, I mean, if you, if you Missouri really should have had at least one of these games. You know, if, if you start one and two in the SEC, that's passable. A loss to, to Tennessee, you can't blame them at all, but. Starting on three, only one other school has no conference wins, and that's and that's Vanderbilt. They've really got a long road ahead of them if they're going to do anything in the postseason. And the schedule's not getting easier, but we'll talk about that later. Um, let's move on to our stud and dud from the past week. Um, it's kind of hard to identify a good stud when a team has lost two games by double gi- digits that they should have been games should have been closer. But we have to credit Javon Pickett because he's really advanced as a player. He was put in the starting lineup from the get-go, and he was, his, defense, his defensive intensity was always there, but really he's shown offensive development these past two games. You know, he's just a freshman, and it's very promising to see just 15 games into a season. You can see clear improvement from Game 1 against Central Arkansas to Game 15 against Alabama. I think that the future is sky-high for Pickett, and you got to like what you saw from him this week, even though it was a tough week for the team. I also think as an extension, you have to give credit to Conzo for uh, putting him in the starting lineup yeah, so early in the no season question. and sticking with it, even when Pickett's had highs and lows throughout a game. Mm-hmm. And I think we're really seeing the benefits of that decision right now. Yeah. 21 points against South Carolina and then came back and scored 13 against Alabama. Um, both games' shooting percentages were nice. He was 3 of 4 from 3 against South Carolina, 1 of 3 against Alabama. He's a good free throw shooter. He does kind of does everything. He kind of does everything for Missouri. He's going to be a really good wing for the next couple of years for Missouri. Um, let's move on to our dud. I was thinking about putting Jeremiah Tillman down here, and that would have been fair. He was really, really bad against South Carolina, but we didn't include him because even though he only played nine minutes and didn't score in the first half against Alabama, he did come on and improve in the second half. Scored eight points, got seven rebounds. So we're going to put down our dud as Kevin Perrier. Perrier wasn't horrible against South Carolina, scored nine points, but against Alabama, he scored two points on one of four shooting. And that's kind of a game that Missouri really needed a senior to step up and kind of keep him, keep them in that game. And he was not, I, I didn't notice him doing anything on Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, with Perrier, you know, 
He was in foul trouble throughout the night, only played 18 minutes, uh, but he's just got to be more active in the offense when he's on the floor. I mean, mm-hmm. you never even notice that he's out there, and I'm, I'm looking at this box score. And one thing that jumps out to me, he takes – I know he was in foul trouble, but he took four shots in the game, and Torrance Watson took five. You know, there's just no way Kevin Perrier should take less happen. shots than Torrance Watson. He's got to find a way to get himself involved in this offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been kind of on the bench Kevin Perrier <laughs> uh, drum. I've been beating that for a few weeks now, and I still think uh, that he should be benched, even for the limited amount of time that we saw K.J. Santos and Mitchell Smith against Alabama. I think offensively, definitely, their presence was – felt more. It seemed they had some sort of tangible impact mm-hmm. where Perrier, like you said, took four shots, didn't really do anything. He only had about four rebounds and three assists. So it's not like he's really contributing in other areas of the game. His defense has been spotty at times, so I don't see why this coaching staff wouldn't look at a change there. Right. And we can even extrapolate this to the whole season for Perrier. I mean, this has kind of been a season-long thing, and I hate to make this about Jonte Porter, but you kind of have to talk about it because Jonte Porter was supposed to play the four, and Perrier was supposed to play the three. And having a six-seven Perrier three was pretty sounded like a good idea. But now Perrier has had to play the four the whole season. He's he in most of the season he's kind of been outmatched physically. He even had a height advantage against Tevin Mack against Alabama. He didn't take take advantage of that at all. Yeah, I mean, you know. He's he's undersized, and uh, you know maybe Connor, I am starting to warm up to your idea. <laughs> About benching him. It's a good uh, idea. I mean, because he clearly is undersized for the four. And uh, maybe by playing him with the bench players, you can find a way to get him more involved in the offense. I mean, uh, you know, this is a guy who's averaged 10 points a game for his career. Yeah. Uh, he just, you know, two-point performances are not acceptable in these conference games where, quite frankly, you needed a win at home. You just, they need more from Burrier. I can't. Can't beat that drum enough. And I think he could still be a, a very productive player for them. I think he, his role is just better served coming off the bench. Right. And so we talked about the career averages. He scored, I think, 11 points per game in his first two years around there. His junior year last season, it was about eight. And that's understandable because Mizzou, Mizzou had Cassius Robertson. They had Jordan Barnett. They had Jonte Porter. He wasn't, he wasn't supposed to be in that scoring role. This is a team that needs scoring desperately. And if it's not getting it from Mark Smith and Jordan Geist and Tillman's not on the floor, who else are they going to get it from? They right. just need him. Yeah, and, and even though last year, like you just said, his points, uh, his points per game was a little, were a little down, you know, he was really filling a role on that team. Yeah. And he's not doing the things this year that he was doing last year. He's not taking the occasional three. He's not stepping out, sizing up his opponent one-on-one, and then trying to drive the basket and draw fouls. He's really just not doing much of anything on offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. And for as much as we like to bash Tillman, really he's been the best big man Missouri has had, and Perrier hasn't separated himself from the other forwards in Missouri's rotation. I mean, against Alabama, Missouri's front court outside of Jeremiah Tillman scored combined nine points. I mean, Courier had two. Mitchell Smith had three. He made he shot one three on the night and made it. KJ Santos had two points. Reed Nico had two points, which I will give it to him. It was on an offensive rebound, and it was a put-pat dunk, which is pretty cool. But they're just not getting any production from their front court. And the back court, Javon Pickett, Mark Smith, Jordan Geist, they're really doing everything they can to carry the load, and it's just not been enough. And I think the reality is... and. I guess this can be the last thing on this, but 
I think the reality is that whether you're starting Kevin Pergier, KJ Santos, or Mitchell Smith, none none of those guys mm-hmm. are really a guy you want in your starting lineup, and you have to start one. Yeah, and whoever it is, what is that that player's role going to be? I mean, right. it doesn't solve the issue that there's just a man floating out there who has no purpose. You know, Tillman has a purpose. Like early on in the Alabama game, they were feeding him down a little lie. He was getting the ball. He wasn't doing anything with it. But it was creating double teams and moving things around. Whereas per year, I feel like he just kind of floats around and maybe finds a shot now or then. Right. When he tries to create his own shot when he's guarded, that never really turns out well either. That's what Santos showed a, bit, a little bit last night. Like he can create his own shot where he can step out and shoot the ball. Like right. He had that nice drive in reverse lane last night. That was nice. I still think that's a little bit more than what per year shown he can do on the offensive end. Yeah. Well, with that, let's move on to Saturday's game against at Texas A&M. Um, Missouri it will play a winnable game for the third straight time Saturday. Um, the Aggies are seven and eight. They're one and three in the SEC, and they're coming off a 19-point loss to number 14 Auburn. How can the Tigers avoid their fourth straight loss? Uh, I, like we, it feels like we say every time, but you have to get Jeremiah Tillman going mm-hmm. and make sure he stays out of foul trouble. Uh, Alabama did a great job on Wednesday bringing in a trap and doubling, uh, doubling Tillman, like a lot of other teams have, and uh, forcing him to either kick it out or into a very bad shot. And maybe uh, Texas A&M doesn't, doesn't send the double team, and maybe they can get someone some easy shots early. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough for them to get anything going, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, no question for this team, the blueprint to any win is just their defense has to lead the way. And certainly against a, you know, a lackluster team in Texas A&M, that's what they got to do. Their defense has to dominate and slow the game down, and their offense has to do just enough to win make some threes. I mean, they're not going to win games if they don't make threes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's the way to do it. Yeah, it's kind of hard to put your finger on one thing that Missouri could do to win because they have so many issues that they need to solve. Something, just kind of a random thing that I want to see on Saturday is I want to see Mark Smith be able to take over a game because we've said this over and over. I think he's the most, off- the most talented offensive player. Um, he's always shown that, but he only scored 13, well, not only, but he scored... He scored 13 points against Alabama. It feels like he'd always do a little bit more. Um, I don't know. I feel, I feel like if Missouri's in a tough spot Saturday, I'm looking forward to him kind of trying to pull them out of that. And I, I think he has the potential to do that. A&M's given up 80-plus in their last three games. So I think uh, the ability to score points for him or any other player is going to be there. Yeah, just like the rest of the offense, um, and Conzo has said this about Mark Smith, Mark Smith needs to diversify his game a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needs to make himself, if you're going to be a team's, you know, sort of top offensive threat, and I know Geist averages, you know, a little more game scoring-wise, but if you're going to be a team's top offensive threat, you have to be more than just a guy that can make a three when he's open, which Mark Smith's excellent at, and he gets open a lot, but he needs to be able to do other things for this team with the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, something that Mark Smith really should do now is if you're not going to drive and score, at least drive and try to draw some free throws because Missouri is not taking the free throws and they're really not drawing many fouls. And it's come to the point where nearly every Mark Smith three that I see, he's contested in some way. A lot of them are deep threes and he's making a lot of them, but he's not getting a lot of open looks because teams aren't really respecting his ability to drive and score and drive and draw fouls. Right. So I'm looking for that to change, but Missouri does go to College Station, and if they lose, they'll be 0-4 in the SEC. Um, 
and the schedule does not get much easier. After that, they'll play at Arkansas, which is not an easy game. They'll play at home against LSU, which has been a strong team. And then they're at Auburn, um, which is ranked number 14. Does, could Missouri go 0-7 to start the SEC? They certainly could. I mean, you know, with those games you just listed off, I mean, you know, any road game in this conference is going to be tough for this Missouri team. The South Carolina game certainly proved that. Uh, so that makes Texas A&M and Arkansas tough. LSU will be tough anywhere you play them this season, and then the same can be said with uh, Auburn when that one's on the road. So, yeah, no question there's a path for this team to go to 0-7, which is uh, not the start you'd want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at this point, the way the team is currently playing, I can't see them going on the road and getting any win. So, really, they're going to have to – hope they can steal a few on the road um, and then get all of the home game wins that they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before the SEC schedule began, we predicted them to go 8-8, eight and eight, which now looks pretty horrendous. Not looking good. <laughs> but, um, you know, this is a team that has shown an ability to bounce back, at least. I mean, they started the year 3-3, three and three, and then they rattled off six straight wins in December. And those, I mean, those, weren't, those wins weren't against, like, Tennessee or Auburn, but they were quality wins and brought them to 9-3. And that kind of changed the way people looked at them. And now here we are, three losses later, and now everyone's kind of lost all hope. And... I kind of agree with that. They've really shown a lot of weaknesses, but let's not count out their ability to rattle off a few more wins. You know, Conzo has shown an ability to get the most out of his players, and it's not all doom and gloom yet, but it's certainly headed that way. Yeah, I think looking forward the rest of the season, you know, uh, you start 9-3, and three, you know, the goal for this team is they need to find a way to make the NIT. It shouldn't be too big of an ask, quite frankly, and... That's the, that's what this team simply has to do. Mm-hmm. You know, anything other than that, above that is gravy, I think, but you've got to get in the NIT this year after starting nine and three. I think it's time to probably stop expecting or hoping for an NCAA tournament this appearance at this point. But I mean, NIT is sort of a name that has some negative weight to it because like, it's, it's the second best tournament. Why would you want to make that? But for a team like this with so many young players and it's honestly a rebuilding year. Making it at the NIT could be really a big, a big step for the young players and all the experience of playing in a postseason tournament and, go, and having that environment to play in front of. I think that'd be productive. Yeah, and don't forget, this team lost its best player before the season started. Yeah. And so when you lose your best player, one of the best players in the conference probably, you know, and postseason play with, with such a young team, like you just said, you'll, you'll take that. And a guy that... Everyone was expecting the offense to run through, and no right. one was expecting them to have that figured out a few games in the season. But now we're we're what fifteen games in the season. Yep. We're almost halfway, and there's no discernible offensive plan for this team. It's really it's not easy. It's not fun to watch. Okay, so we're gonna go ahead and sign off. But first, here's the answer to our trivia question. We asked you to name one Missouri player in the 1,000 point, 500, 500 rebound, and 100 career start club. Uh, those players are Kelly Thames, Steve Stanipovich, Arthur Johnson, Derek Chivas, Doug Smith, and Javon Crudup. Thanks everyone for tuning in, and we'll be back with episode, uh, episode 5 next Friday.